0: I mean what she thinks I'm gonna do with a canoe is anybody's guess. Sail up canal. Do a big show.
1: <laughs> Did it snow?
0: You know the Christmases I can't remember. Uh yeah? Maybe, a few times. That's typical, isn't it? I was desperate for it to snow at Christmas as a kid. But no, it waits until I'm grown up, and then I get shot, and now I can't remember. La 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 la, la 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 la. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast. It's about to start an online petition to make sure a six-foot toy rabbit can be made a recurring character in the show and if need be, we're prepared to sacrifice Todd or Daniel or both. I'm Gavin.
0: (laughs) And I'm still a little miffed that you cut out the bit about the six-foot rabbit from Cory News last week. I did? You did.
1: I have no memory of this.
0: Be talking about the fact that people thought it was a little a little blue the way uh David uh David was holding that ribbon in front of the in front of the rabbit. I Made mean, him look like a penis.
1: I'm still not sure what we're talking about. <laughs> did we talk about that last week?
0: We did. When we when I was talking about um the off cam complaints about um tim's dad's death yeah so i remember that because that,
1: that made the cut. Co-
0: being too graphic and then you know i i on the tail end of that i talked a little bit about both the rabbit you know and people laughing on twitter because it looks like he's holding a penis that's tied to the rabbit front it? and um like in some of the still photography of that scene and also that uh, some people were tittering that that new Coronation Street app game, oh dear. which you don't like very much. It's
1: awful. I don't know if I clear baldings in it.
0: Ah, uh, that you know, some of the lines that they give to bet especially are are a little blue.
1: I remember you saying that.
0: Yeah, you cut that out too.
1: Yeah, well, we've been waffling on for more than two hours for <laughs> the last like month, so some gold has to go. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. Typically, my gold. Hmm. Or, uh, maybe start oh editing. I, 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 I
1: cut out tons of my stuff.
0: <laughs> I kid, I kid.
1: Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: Merry Christmas. How was your Christmas, Bedalid? Uh, it was okay. <laughs> you got some cracking socks. I, had,
1: <laughs> I have some very profane socks. Now. <laughs> it's maybe the first pair of profane socks I've ever owned.
0: Which is, which hilariously would not be true in my case because I have had a pair of socks with the word "fuck" on them. For a couple of Christmases now. Just
1: that? Just <laughs> fuck? No, no, no. Are you sure it wasn't French Connection UK?
0: No, it's uh, Shut the Fuck Up, I'm Reading, or something like that. Remember yeah. those socks that Leah and John got me a couple of years ago? Either for my Vaguely. Christmas or for my birthday. Actually, Vaguely. I think it was for my birthday. I think
1: my sweaty socks say, this meeting is bullshit. <laughs> 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 so, kind of PG in the terms of profanity. It's not sh- like my socks are calling anyone a cunt.
0: No, but shit's shit's fairly, yeah, far, fairly far up there. Shit. Bullshit? Nah. Oh, bullshit. The bull kind of lessens it. But
1: I could probably say in the meeting, this meeting is bullshit and nobody would care.
0: No, because it's you. Remember when you first started and everybody's like, no, no, you're not allowed to swear here. And then eventually people just gave you a pass because you say it It's such a charming accent.
1: I said, let's just see about that. Yeah, y'all you fucking <laughs> Merry Christmas everybody.
0: Um Merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> How was your Christmas?
0: My Christmas was good. It was weird. Our Christmas was weird because we are here and not, not in Connecticut. And it made it it unexpectedly made me weepy a couple of times to not be with my family. I didn't expect to be weepy about that. No. Nothing against my family. I just you know. But anyway, um, I made Christmas Eve dinner. I made a nice roast and some potatoes and some dinner rolls that that didn't quite work out.
1: You look like cricket balls, basically.
0: <laughs> I let Steli knead the dough, and yeah, that was first my first mistake. mistake. Yep. But also, I think because um, the recipe came from a, a vintage Betty Crocker cookbook and i think our ovens today are a little bit different
1: they were well fired let's put it that way
0: yes yes and then you medallin you made a lovely indian buffet for christmas day dinner
1: see this is what i was trying to pitch to you earlier on in the week that you seemed completely um, flasé about. Yeah,
0: because I thought you were just going to make tikka masala again, and we have tikka masala like once a week.
1: We don't have it once a week. We maybe have it a couple of times a month. (laughs) I was going to make a kind of Indian banquet because what we normally have on Christmas Day is Indian food for the last five or six years, what we've had. Correct. It's Indian food because one of the restaurants that tends to be open on Christmas Day in America Is. is... Indian, along with Chinese and whatever.
0: And Chinese restaurants tend to be a bit busier because people people are familiar with the Chinese tradition. So this has become a
1: thing for us as we try and hunt down uh, a local Indian restaurant. Mm -hmm. Last year we were in Rhode Island. The year before that we were in Delaware. Mm -hmm. We've been on Long Island and we've found an Indian restaurant, a kind of oasis, if you like, on Christmas Day where everyone flocks and has delicious... Indian, Indian food. food then we eat too much we get bloated we wish for death mm-hmm. a good time all round
0: and this year we got to wish for death without leaving the house
1: right. so I was pitching to you the idea of, well why don't we have the, that here where I can make a few dishes and we can all have a little buffet there was a misunderstanding of there was what, a misunderstanding I,
0: because when you said Indian food all I could think of was well Gav's going to make his tikka masala again Gav has a number happened. of dishes, <laughs> a number of standards that that he pulls out at least once a month. Tikka masala being one and, and jambalaya being the other.
1: Nice and easy. Jambalaya particularly you can do in like half an hour. Yeah. Kind of takes a little bit longer. This though was five and a half hours of me
0: mm-hmm. cooking. Yeah, it was nice. Pretty much. Oh the house smelled
1: so good uh, It started smelling good round about half past eleven When the yeah. coconut chicken went on yeah. That was in the slow cooker Yeah. Then a lamb Rogan Josh and a chicken tikka masala Which yeah. the kids loved The lamb Was sensational I don't say because I cooked it so well Because all I did was like basically Stew it for two hours mm-hmm. But the lamb that I got from the butcher Was incredibly good mm-hmm. Just melt in the mouth so this all came together, everything ready at the same time, five o'clock, boom, there's your dinner. Mm-hmm. So f- for the whole morning, the house was, or the whole afternoon, the house is smelling Indian food. And you say, go, oh, this is getting your mm. appetite going. Then the Indian food's there. You go, oh, this is delicious. And then the house still kind smell, <laughs> smells like an Indian restaurant. And mm-hmm. when you wake up in the morning, after eating Indian food, yeah, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and my hands smell Coriander and cumin and onion and Not a garlic, bad thing. and I just can't wash it off. Not a bad thing. Anyway, that was our Christmas.
0: Yes, and it was nice. And then uh, the kids and I watched Soul, and, and you came back into the office to write Corey notes. Yep,
1: a martyr to my Corey notes.
0: Absolutely. Soul, a very good Pixar movie, better than Onward.
1: It's onward. C- kind of I in can't the l- remember Onward.
0: Yeah, that's the first Pixar movie that d- was released on Disney Plus in the beginning of lockdown, way back in March April. Remember that's the one where Tom Holland and Chris Pratt are brothers. Are oh, like that Elf was the brothers. one that doesn't know what it's supposed to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't like that.
0: Yeah, Soul was much better. It was it reminded me a bit of um Inside Out in, in kind of the
1: when I came in, mental. briefly, that's what it looked like you were watching.
0: Yeah, in kind of the way it, the, the philosophical and um mental, it, it, it's a very intelligent animated children's movie hmm. in the way that Inside Out was.
1: Banoffee pie.
0: Oh yeah, you made banoffee pie as well. and Did I made, eat that? I, I ate, that. ate it. Okay. <laughs> and then I made like a million sugar cookies and gingerbread cookies. Including, for you Doctor Who fans, some Daleks, some Adipose, and some canines. And also, for you Pokemon fans, I made gingerbread Pikachus using my windmill cookie Because <laughs> so I was like, I cannot be arsed to decorate this to look like a windmill. I'm just going to make Pikachus. And they're almost party all gone. I for the
1: first time maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I've told everyone about it. Mm-hmm. And I
0: and I said, oh, please, but when you got that uh, custard stuff, I was like, oh, please make a pinoffi pie because I had pinoffi pie for the first time.
1: There's no, no custard in it.
0: I know. But you thought there would be custard in it because you no, never No, I didn't. Made it I was
1: going to make a trifle with the custard, yeah. but I fucked up the trifle so royally when I tasted it that I was mm-hmm. never going to try that again. But well, you just didn't let it cool My friend Steve made <laughs> <But> My <laughs> friend Steve made two banoffee pies It took to his mother-in-laws mm-hmm. My co-worker Audrey, she made a dairy-free Banoffee pie Don't know how that could have worked out uh, coconut She said milk, it was probably. a mess But it was delicious uh-huh. And that was kind of how my trifle worked out as well mm-hmm. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please Give us some of that festive Cory news Did I say that last week? I
0: can't remember what you said last week
1: Give us some lactose free Cory <laughs> news.
0: ITV has fired Cory director Steve Finn after he took to Facebook to criticize historian David Alusaga's lecture during the Edinburgh TV Festival. The lecture was on race and racism in the UK TV industry, to which Finn called Alusaga a poor dear, an idiot and a victim-making fraud. Eesh. He then called the actor Noel Clark a fucktard for insisting what? on a diverse crew for a project. Monday's episode was Finn's last on Corey.
1: What a strange shell to die on. This uh, the Lawrence Fox of Coronation Street directors. Hmm.
0: Right. It's like nobody comes after Noel Clark.
1: That's <laughs> just, just a rule, is it? It is. Well, it's
0: a rule for me because
1: <laughs> those many times, those opportunities that you've had to go after Noel Clark, you've managed to restrain yourself.
0: No, no, I really, I really love Noel, Noel Clark. Is one of my favorite actors of Doctor Who.
1: He's one of those people. I think everyone will like him, and I don't really follow his career or anything. And but and I go off him.
0: And I love, I loved the all too brief bit of Star Trek Into Darkness he was in. So, uh, was he not? Yeah, he was in the beginning. So, um, an unintentional baddie. But uh, yeah, this is just one of the things I find interesting is that he was fired this week because UK Huffington Post reported on it this week. But he actually posted these things in August. Because that's when the Edinburgh TV Festival was. Mm. So those comments have been sitting on the internet for months now. Well,
1: choose it. And I'm sure
0: other other people saw them. Anyway, uh, I hope this means we're going to see the Baileys an awful lot more. (laughs)
1: It's, a, it's funny because
0: it's we remember last week we were complaining and causa- causality. And we were complaining right about now. the fact that Corey does not use the Baileys nearly enough.
1: Mary tart Scott made a very good point on his uh five things about Corey last week, I think, mm-hmm. or his uh yearly review was that the saddest thing from his point of view I'm paraphrasing them here. Mm-hmm. In fact I I may
0: He may <laughs> even be putting words in his mouth. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Uh was that they only ever interacted with themselves mm-hmm. and Grace. Yeah. And that's not how you get a, yeah. a family to take root. They well, have, to they, have they would, to... they would briefly... Because they started... Ed started off having a lovely relationship Ken and, yeah. and bonding over uh, their, their music and their records and that. Right. Amounted to nothing.
0: Right. And then there was that whole feud about the wall... And everything, in the hole in the wall, remember that?
1: Well, that was just kind of the same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they're brief stuff. They would have, like, brief interactions with other people in the street, but not nearly, not nearly so much.
1: No, and it's weird. and It wasn't a thing.
0: Yeah, this is, this is why, yeah, and one of the things that bothered me about the whole Grace thing, even before the whole Grace thing, Um, was that... (laughs)
1: One of the things that bothered me about this, that before this was a thing...
0: Right, before we found out, you know, before the big gotcha moment. Oh, no. Which actually didn't bother me. I really liked it. I liked it as well. Mm. I just, I don't like the fact that she's pregnant now. But that's another complaint. Is that I really wanted Michael and James to form relationships intimate relationships with with available people on the street.
1: Existing characters. Yeah.
0: That's why, even though she was just like his beard, it was kind of nice when Bethany and James were hanging out yeah, together. Yeah, and, that, and
1: that, that happened twice, maybe?
0: <laughs> yeah. But it was nice, you know? And why I, I keep... uh, You know, it's one of the reasons why I keep trying to force this idea of um, of Craig being gay, so that I could get Craig and James together because that's a couple I want to see.
1: <laughs> You're weird.
0: I am, but I do. I, I'm like this far away from writing fanfic about it, but <laughs> it's neither here nor there. You know, a,
1: the lowest of the low.
0: Not, not necessarily anymore. Not Absolutely. necessarily anymore. Fanfic is finally write becoming. Own,
1: write your own characters. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this.
0: Um, but anyway, uh, that's that's just... I think... I think it, Moving on to more Cory News. Bill Ward, who played Charlie Stubbs on Cory, took a job as a Tesco delivery driver during the pandemic, working 30 hours a week for the shop while also giving photography lessons over Zoom. It's like actors having to take other jobs just to... To make ends meet. It's something that you don't really think about. You think, oh, well, actors are actors and actors make lots of money. It's a very
1: COVID thing. I don't think actors make an awful lot of money at all. Yeah. It's a a supply and demand thing. Yeah. There's no shortage of people who will do your job if you don't want to do it for that money. Right. But enough of them get paid ridiculous sums to...
0: Right. Let's say keep them going. You know, and, and I, lots of people kind of slag off all these actors and everything for, for doing Zooms and TikToks and all that other stuff just to keep their faces out there. But for a lot of them, they kind of have to do that because they're not, they're freelancers. They're not getting their bills paid any other way. So they got to keep their name and their face out there. So it's just an interesting pandemic sort of thing, isn't it? Well, I found it interesting. (laughs) Finally, Team Corey has lost to Team Everdale once again in the Big Soap Quiz. It was a tight game with a final score of 20-22. to Perhaps David, Steve, and Alia need to show up for trivia at the Rovers more often. And that's Corey News. Because those were the actors that were in the Big Soap trivia game this year. Which I didn't even know. was Well, I kind of knew it was a thing.
1: I knew it was a thing. I I, I (laughs) I, I didn't watch
0: it. It's kind of hilarious that that's a thing. Isn't it? (coughs) I'm just trying to imagine that happening with American soaps. (laughs) And and would anyone watch? The Young and the Restless. Or Dallas versus Dynasty. It kind of reminds me there used to be a show back in the 70s and early 80s called the the battle of the network stars on TV here in America where mm. CBS actors and NBC actors and ABC actors would, would go would go against one another so you'd see these people who are not at the peak of athleticism <laughs> <laughs> running races and things
1: oh that's always good fun oh that was it
0: and that's Cory news.
1: a mailbag Chloe from Nova Scotia got in touch. Helen, Gavin, I hope you both had a lovely Christmas. Your podcast has been a rare highlight of 2020 for me, and oh, it's nice. hard to imagine my weekend without it. Hope 2021 is wonderful to you both. Right back at you.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And then, Chris, yes, that one got in touch. Just heard you call your new vacuum cleaner the most useful robot in the house, comparing its abilities favourably against Siri. No mention of Timboat 4000. Tot, 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 he says. <laughs> And finally, a sincere thank you to Canadian Helen for her support of the podcast, which was um, very much appreciated.
0: Yes. To be fair, Timbot doesn't really do anything outside of the podcast. The vacuum
1: cleaner doesn't do anything other than suck shit up.
0: But I was specifically talking about the household and not the work that we do here in the office. I don't
1: know. I wouldn't be surprised if Timbot Timbot, 4000 is on strike this week because of your comments.
0: Timbot 4000 is the... Is the most useful member of the podcasting team.
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue with that. Here's Hindsight Corner.
0: Ah, oh, blue, 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 blue,
1: blue, I if could get some jingles to go along with your bloop, 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 Let's see in the post edit. What was the name of the space cowboy?
0: The Gangster of Love. What Maurice, the, who speaks.
1: What was the name of the monkey on Friends?
0: Maurice. Whoop, whoo. Marcel! Marcel. It was Marcel. Why did I call him Maurice?
1: Whoop, whoo, indeed.
0: <laughs> Whoop, woo.
1: And now this.
0: <laughs> was that the only thing I'd say, Carter? Yep. The name of the monkey and friends wrong Twice <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome You kind of got
1: that wrong a little bit there
0: I know what song you were talking about when you say Space Cowboy though
1: Just enough time to quickly talk about nothing What? Well, we didn't do a podcast this time last year so there is no Last year, Tonight, This Morning with me, John Oliver Oh Just the just a, just a tune
0: Just the music the, last, uh, the season finale of last week tonight was quite good.
1: That was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm just trying to fill in where he blew up 2020 and Adam Driver told him to stop say asking him to step on his neck. Shall
1: we dive in, my dear?
0: Y'all please.
1: Uh, now we have uh, one extra half hour to cover this week. And I'd like to say, generally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: watching the show this week—Monday, Tues Monday, Wednesday, Thursday—I mm-hmm. was not particularly looking forward to Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I—I don't think this was a great week. I didn't think it was getting me excited for a big event happening on Christmas Day. I was going into it fairly pessimistically. And I have to say, I fucking loved Christmas Day. Christmas Day was
0: brilliant. It was perhaps... I loved it.
1: It was what I was expecting maybe for the 60th. Mm -hmm. And it was a better version of what they did for the 10,000th episode. Because the 10,000th was just kind of nostalgia and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. This was nostalgia in terms of what a lovely bit of storytelling. Yeah. And for... What a lovely focus to have, mm-hmm. and what a great decision it was to do that yeah. than have somebody getting shot. Yeah, it was or nice that something blowing up.
0: Nobody died. Nothing blew on up. Christmas, and nothing blew up. It was nice.
1: There was a little bit of the, a dark-ish storyline mm-hmm. running through it. Yeah, as you would expect, light yeah. and shade and stuff, but it was mostly light.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the shade and kind of got is me, carrying into next week.
1: And it got me, and uh.
0: The Christmas spirit.
1: Well, let's not go that far. No. It got me... You're the Grinch. ...enjoying the David and Shona storyline, which I haven't really been enjoying. Yeah. I'd just like to get that out there in case I forget to mention it later. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So our first storyline this morning... Potential moment of the week there. This year's Rita. <sighs> On Monday Nick's heading back to work suggesting that Leanne goes for a walk But she has plans to start tidying Oliver's room She needs to do it sometime she says Nick carefully mentions that he's off to see Sam later And Leanne pretends that she's fine with this Everything's fine Correct Nick's first day back at work involves meeting Toya <laughs> at the bistro To discuss how worried he is about Leanne and how she doesn't want people around her Toya thinks she needs time Then in comes a flustered Natasha looking for Nick It's Sam she says He's gone missing.
0: Oh, and it's so nice of her to notice, finally, when when her kid goes missing. So nice of her to finally notice, one time.
1: One time out of three. She notices.
0: It makes me rather suspicious about those other times.
1: How many times before Nick was this wee boy just wandering the streets of Weatherfield or Manchester or... Seriously. The north of England.
0: And the way she kinda keeps the reason why he's taken off this time, I find very suspect.
1: Mm-hmm. So back at home, uh Leanne is trying to tidy up all of her toys and books, but she soon becomes overwhelmed by the task and sits on the floor and cries. So she's not as fine as she's claiming to be. Yeah. As while reading, take the lead.
0: While reading Mr. Tickle.
1: Oh yeah, she Mr. The Tickle. Mr. Tickle book in her hand. Yep. Back at the base show Natasha says that she has no idea why Sam would run away, and he's mm-hmm. never done this before, except he seems <laughs> yeah. to do it all the time. Seriously. <laughs> Nick wants to call the police, but Natasha's already done it. Uh, they split up and agree to meet in 10 minutes. Then Natasha phones <laughs> Sam and leaves a message, knowing that he's upset and they can talk. Oh, the drama. Then Nick goes back to the flat, but there's no sign of Sam there, so he heads back out again. Right. Exciting. See, this is, this is why I wasn't excited about Christmas. It was Scenes like this. Out in the street, Sam was with the Sam is with Gail. So Sam went to Gail's house mm-hmm. and said that Natasha had dropped him off. Yeah. Unexpectedly. Gail, Gail who's met this kid a couple of times. Right. Doesn't think to stick her head out the the door and make sure that Natasha really is there. Maybe speak to Natasha, make sure this is okay and what time are you coming to pick him back up again? None of this happens. He just appears on Gail's door and Gail's just quite happy to see him.
0: Well, yeah, because she hasn't had a chance to be with this new grandson, you know, and she has been craving it, so I don't know.
1: And maybe it's just because of Natasha's Mother of the Year that no one's surprised by this.
0: No. So,
1: anyway, back at number eight, Natasha's trying to read Sam the riot act who isn't exactly quaking his boots and asks his mum if she wants to explain why he ran away, so she does. It's because she's got a new job overseeing the opening of a new salon, but, dum-dum-dum, it means they're going to be moving to that London. Dum-dum-dum.
0: How far is London from Manchester?
1: Uh, A couple hundred miles, maybe. Maybe less than that. 150? It's like... 200. Let's go with 200.
0: Maybe a two-hour drive.
1: I would say it's 400-ish, 450 from Glasgow. Maybe say it's 200 from Glasgow to Manchester, maybe.
0: So it's not like moving from New York to California where it's it's not that big of a deal no. or it shouldn't be that big of a deal.
1: Uh, in a country of that size it's probably enough of an inconvenience.
0: Tiny countries.
1: Let's say it's the equivalent of moving to the UP. So you could get there in a day but you wouldn't be doing it very often.
0: I love the UP so I'd be doing it all the time.
1: But Natasha's job starts on Christmas Eve. And that doesn't make or any sense. Or she's moved on Christmas Eve.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you move over Christmas? Why wouldn't you move the next week after Christmas? You'd in between start in the
1: New Year. Let's face it.
0: You maybe want to get things set up and everything between Christmas and New Year, just to get things set set up and going, so that you could have like a big opening on New Year's Day. Granted. She's opening a, a salon
1: in London, which I think has salons
0: during a pandemic, right? And which tier is London in, and which tier is Manchester in?
1: I don't know what these tiers are. <laughs> <Don't either. laughs> they have ascending numbers? I don't know what they mean.
0: And it, there's like a, an a, a a a grocery store somewhere in England. There is that.
1: There's, there's more than one.
0: Half of it is in one tier and half of it is in another tier because it's right on the border of two cities.
1: Oh, there was a guy that lives on the border of Northern Ireland in the Republic Uh whose bathroom is in Northern Ireland but the rest of his house is in the Republic of Ireland. So if it's a hard border, (laughs) he'd need a passport to take a shit. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh. So Nick gets home and he and Leanne have some awkward chat about Sam and Leanne not facing the Oliver chore. Then Nick goes out to get takeaway and then his phone (laughs) that he left in the charger, and he very pointedly left on the charger, Mm. rings and Leanne answers it for him and it's Sam. And Sam must spill his guts to Leanne because as soon as Nick gets home, she wants to know why he didn't tell her Sam wanted to move in with him. Did I mention that? I don't think I mentioned that. Sam wants to move in with Nick and Leanne, not move to London, Yes, despite the fact that Natasha is promising to go to museums every weekend.
0: Right. And and the fact that he still barely knows Nick. Right. Barely knows him.
1: But wants to live with him.
0: And Leanne has just lost her son and Sam knows that Leanne very recently like half of the time this kid has ever seen Leanne she's shouting at him <laughs> and he wants to live with her. <laughs> Right. What does it say about living with Natasha?
1: I think this is. We'll get to this. Mm. <clears throat> so Nick says that he was going to mention it before the night was out, but he'd only just found it himself. It says Natasha was firm with Sam, but then admits that he wasn't. Get him, tell says Leanne. Yeah. you've got to be strict here.
0: Yeah, you, you got to communicate with kids. You can't. You can't let there be any ambiguity.
1: Leanne thinks Sam will love London and there's no way Natasha would let him stay anyway. Nick somehow is worried about childcare options in the capital city and Leanne twigs that he actually wants Sam to stay with them. And this makes Leanne panic a bit. There's no way that she can deal with a wee boy living in the flat. It would be a betrayal to Oliver. Nick is sure something could be worked out. Aye, Sam goes to London. Right, That's how it works out. Problem solved.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. And Natasha does point this out to Nick. Natasha has been a single parent for all of sam's life i think she knows how to figure out childcare. aka she lets the kid run the streets <laughs> wait but, you here's know. a key
1: come back when it's dark or you're hungry
0: right which is actually the real way to raise a child This predominantly how we raise ours <laughs> i mean the you know go outside and come in when you're hungry you know, come in at dinner time, sort of thing.
1: They don't leave the block.
0: No. Well, they do sometimes. They, Benny.
1: They come in, typically ask if they can go on the bike ride or something.
0: Right, yeah. But JJ, Benny will go with JJ and walk to QD to get eggnog. And then they walk the streets of Eaton Rapids drinking eggnog. out <laughs> have little pipe bottles. Like tough guys. Like the tough guys they are.
1: Do they have little uh, brain bags <laughs> to put the eggnog in? So Nick calls Sam and tells him that he has to stay with Natasha. The timing is bad for him staying and he's going to miss him. But think about how much Sam would miss his mum. And to try and make up for it, Nick suggests having Christmas tomorrow, which would be Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve? No. Christmas
0: Eve Eve. The day before Christmas Eve. Yeah,
1: Christmas Eve Eve. Wear an ugly sweater. So on Wednesday... (laughs) Fucking breaking the boundaries of originality there. Oh, it's an ugly sweater competition. (laughs) A Christmas sweater Nick is making up. (laughs) is making a ball sack of wrapping presents for Sam. He wanted everything to be perfect, so Leanne has to step in. Missy's claws to the rescue, she says, and she sends Nick on the way to pick his boy up. However long he's away, it's enough for Leanne to cook a full turkey and all the trimmings. Sam is being boring about dinosaurs and then spots his presents all beautifully wrapped. And Nick has made up that Leanne went to such an effort, but she doesn't hang about and heads out to do some shopping. Yeah. She's very clear that she has this she has this task that she'll do mm-hmm. that she doesn't have to be there with him. Right. And then as soon as he arrives, she's not really up for interacting and playing right. or anything. Yeah. No. Like she's she'd rather just yeah. go out and leave them to it. Which seems perfectly fine to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's got she's got well laid out boundaries here and and I'm 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 glad she does.
1: Mm-hmm. And she's not I don't think making anyone feel uncomfortable about no. this. No. No. Although Nick does his right. Little.
0: Yeah, cuz Nick would like look. Nick would like her to to stay because he loves her and sh- he loves Sam. Right. But Sam doesn't seem to it it doesn't hurt Sam's feelings cuz he's focused on the presence.
1: Right. So Christmas dinner has gone well until Sam reveals that he doesn't want to move to London because Natasha will be at work all day and he'll be stuck in after school clubs. Which makes me wonder, well, what happened right now?
0: <coughs>
1: what, did, what did you do beforehand?
0: Yeah, basically probably, he doesn't seem to have very many friends his own age.
1: Yeah, he's a bit of a Billy no mates, yep. Yeah. So he'd rather be with Nick. Nick says you can have too much of a good thing. And it'll be something for them both to look forward to.
0: Yes. Meeting up. Right, yeah. And
1: frequently in that London.
0: Right. And going to museums.
1: A little later, and Sam is taking Oliver's music box to pieces to see how the mechanism works.
0: Yeah. Good job, Nick. (laughs) Well done keeping an eye on that kid.
1: (laughs) Then Leanne gets home, she sees what's happening and totally loses her shit. Get your grubby fucking mitts off of that, she shouts, and then she runs away with bits of the music box, or as it's called now, just a box. Sam did something wrong, so Sam must be taken home now. When Nick gets back, Leanne has fixed the box. There's something else that they need to fix, she says. She gets him to admit that he wants to spend more time with Sam, but won't because of Leanne, even though it's making him unhappy to do so. So Leanne has a solution. She thinks Nick should move out. But it turns out that was badly worded to sound more ominous than intended because it came at the end of the first part of Wednesday's episodes. Right. Instead, what Leanne meant to say was that she thinks that she should rent a place to live so that he can get to know Sam better without her having to suck it up all the time. Right. Nick isn't even sure Natasha will go for it. There's only one way to find out, says Leanne. Yep. So he meets up with Natasha, who doesn't like the idea and takes offence when Nick mentions how busy she'll be in that London. She's glad that Nick has committed, but doesn't think it's fair on Leanne. So Nick either explains that bit, or explains it again, and he asks her to think about it. And it turns out the job's only for three months, and then she can work remotely back in Weatherfield again. What exactly is it that she does? She's opening a hair salon, right?
0: Yeah, she manages a a hair salon company, like a... uh...
1: So she's not going to be remotely cutting people's hair, then?
0: No, 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 she's management. Is she? Yeah. We knew... This is what... This is, you know... She's opening. She's managing the salon. It's opening. She's not an actual hair cutter.
1: Eventually, she agrees to give it a go, and he can even use her place to stay.
0: I am a little confused, though, because I thought... I thought I remembered her saying that she owned a string of salons. I'm pretty sure that is what she said. So if she owns these salons, then they're her salons, so she can do what she likes. Yep. But she's making it seem like this is being forced upon her against her will, that the company she works for wants her to open the salon. I'm really confused. There's
1: so much about Natasha that just doesn't add up. No. And either it it does add up or we're supposed to pretend that it adds up
0: yeah
1: or there really is something fishy going on here
0: Mm.
1: because everything about her letting sam roam the streets for a start
0: Mm.
1: deciding two days in advance or announcing two days in advance that you're going to have to move to that london right then it turned out to be only for three months anyway
0: Right. Well, supposedly she talked to the people that she works for about the issues that she was having with Sam.
1: So otherwise she was going to move permanently? That London?
0: Like Initially she was going to be there for a year.
1: I don't think she said that. Again, it's just... I don't know. After the whole Grace thing...
0: It feels a little manipulative.
1: A little bit. And so eventually she agrees to give it a go and leave her son, who presumably she's never left for any length of time apart from, you know, every time that she...
0: That he just takes off. Yeah,
1: yeah. Apart from all those times.
0: To go to funerals uninvited.
1: Right. Apart from all those times, this is the first time that she'll be leaving him alone. Mm -hmm. Nick calls her a great mum, which patently isn't true. Back at the flat, Leanne is happy for Nick and even pretends to be happy when she learns that Nick will be staying at Natasha's flat. Yeah. He says he won't be there whenever she comes back to visit. Leanne says it makes sense about 90 times and then clutches her belly. Mm. Then on Thursday, Toya goes over to see Leanne with a moussaka. Leanne is talking about coping and having Christmas dinner with Nick and Sam tomorrow and she pretends to be thrilled by this. Back at the flat, Toya has had a call to let her know that a foster baby will be arriving in two hours. The agency will bring things that they need but they'll also have to provide a litter tray clumping litter, toys with Nip because Imran (coughs) is having kittens. (laughs) Yes,
0: he is.
1: The baby is Mason and he'll be staying for one night while his mum gets an operation. Toya goes to call Leanne to let her know. Leanne is heading to the shop when she first runs into Toya with nappies and then she sees Nick and Sam come come round the corner and she has to make her excuses double back and she remembers that her masakas in the oven. And she heads off home
0: because
1: mm. she's just been presented by everything that she really just wants to avoid. Yes. And later she calls Nick apologising for the short notice but she got an invite from Stella to spend Christmas in France so she's leaving now. Okay thanks bye. 2020 Leanne is definitely 2019 Rita. And on Christmas Day at the flat Inman turns off Cliff fucking Richard in case the baby wakes up. He and Toy have no idea what they're doing, but babies are stupid, so they're okay for now. They both want this month old <laughs> baby to have a nice Christmas.
0: Yeah. Is it Imran buys a walker for this baby?
1: He spent a fortune it on kid. Like, here for 24 hours.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then he's disappointed that the baby doesn't want to use the walker.
1: The baby's like three weeks old or whatever. Well, no, but it's a—it's very much a baby.
0: It's a baby baby, yeah. Not a this toddler is not, baby. This is, not, this is not a baby who is walking yet.
1: So later, Toya's frantic because the baby won't stop crying. Imran comes in from fuck knows where with Gemma behind him and she produces a dummy from her armpit and sticks it in the baby's mouth.
0: Without ritzing it off.
1: <laughs> and, Toya's and Toya's ready like, to grab it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but
1: it's too late. Sorted. And then uh, Imran explains about how he's trying to build these.
0: This Walker toy.
1: A a million other things for the baby.
0: And Gemma says, just give him
1: a. The best thing you can do, right, is you get a plastic bottle. And Imran goes, uh huh. And? And Gemma goes, that's it. (laughs) Just give them a plastic bottle. It's great. They play with it. They bite on
0: it. It's not going to hurt them. No sharp edges. They can't bite pieces off. It makes crinkling noises.
1: Imran calls her so wise. Gemma curtsies tells them that they're welcome, and then fucks off leaving Toya and Imran to feel like a pair of fuds. <laughs> and right enough, later we see Mason and he loves his plastic bottle. Toya calls Mason Oliver by mistake and realises what yeah, she said, but it's unclear that, that, that Imran picks it up.
0: I think he did. I wasn't
1: sure she hurries off to go and call Leanne as Imran learns that they'll have Mason for a few days longer because there's been some complications with the, the operation. Perhaps yeah. they put the mother into an induced coma and have had problems bringing her back out of it again. I
0: bet she dies on the table and they get stuck with this baby. What do you think?
1: Nah. At Christmas? Nah. Well, no. We're not as kill as a af- no- after oh, Christmas? Oh, no, not the baby. The mother.
0: Okay. Yeah, the mother. So they'll be stuck with Mason. Who is the baby? If the mother dies on the table next week, then they have their foster baby forever. That happen? huh? Well, they would, they would still be fostering it. Until they wouldn't be adopting it. No, oh, I don't know. Although they would maybe be, you know, at the top of the list for adoption.
1: Because the first twenty-four hours have gone so swimmingly. Well, Gem- at that Gemma's point, go- Gemma's going to end up looking after this baby. Then we see Leanne sitting in darkness in her flat on her own, curled up on the couch with some vino de plonk, and that's as far as we get with that story this week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I don't know. I'd hate it if that's what happens because it's a kind of light-hearted storyline at the mm-hmm. moment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, to- except Toya's of forgotten course, everything that she learned with Susie. Except she start from scratch again.
0: Except of course, Toya calling the baby Oliver—that was rather dark. Yeah. And the Leanne, I, I'm the leanne sure
1: bit, didn't notice that,
0: and the leanne bits are quite dark,
1: yeah, but the the fostering part of it I think is meant to be nice mostly yeah,
0: yeah. and funny,
1: so let's not yeah, the fact that.
0: yeah then the Gemma new, is parents, an owl new parents of wisdom. Are, new parents are hilarious, ha, mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, this is why flat. toya is lost this is why Toya has lost everything that she learned because new parents are funny,
1: yeah. Imran's playing it pretty well, I have to say. He is,
0: he has got a haircut recently, hasn't
1: he? He has.
0: He looks great. Charlie, you look great. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Oh.
1: Now wash your hands.
0: <laughs> like that. Oh.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leanne, uh, on her own, in the flat... Uh, so that doesn't seem to have been resolved in any way so is that that's going to carry forward it?
0: well there's that last scene
1: where she crawls up on the couch
0: and she's drinking Yeah, a lot and I think she's taking some pills as well hasn't she
1: I do not see that did she? I don't think she did that hmm. I saw her drinking shots some vino
0: yeah this is not bode well.
1: Are you pretending that you don't know a spoiler and... No. And you're you're talking about taking pills when she didn't take any pills? Because I don't think she did take any pills, did she?
0: I thought for sure she did. Either that or I'm mixing it up with that scene in um, the stand that we watched last night. Anyway.
1: Let's move on to Todd the Prick.
0: Ugh, do we have to? Yeah.
1: But hey, we're doing it second and then that's it.
0: Yeah, That's it out of the way.
1: On Monday in the morning Paul and Billy are checking each other's schedules. Billy has some low level god bothering to do, Schedule. some stall stuff. Some stall stuff?
0: Stall stuff. Some yes. stall stuff. Yeah, the Christmas stuff. I mean at
1: three, so it's a fair that, it's a fairly bother free day. He's worried that Paul is stressed about something, but Paul plays it down, says he's just busy, and then he goes off, presumably to work. And indeed he does at the factory. Michael's in a scene with Todd. In comes Paul.
0: Yeah, and- where where Todd is a wee bit racist.
1: Is he about the music? He asked him to turn the music down. How's that racist?
0: Well, he seems to he seems to imply that his music is better than than Michael's music. No, he, the music's Jamaican.
1: He seemed to imply that the music was loud. He couldn't concentrate and asked it to be turned down. I don't think it was racist at all. Hmm. You just see, I, get, you I just see it everywhere.
0: It's because it is everywhere. It
1: wasn't in that scene.
0: He seemed he seemed a little bit. Because he said something else later on about Michael that that didn't sit right with me. I don't know. Maybe it's because it was that racist who directed it, that scene. Or oh, was it? Yeah, because Monday was his last his last directing job with Corey, remember?
1: Was that when he forced Todd to have a rivers of blood speech? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway. In comes Paul and Todd's focus changes. He bothers Paul a bit. Uh what he and Billy are up to, and seems to talk Paul into planning a special evening with Billy. And when Paul confirms this to Todd a little later, Todd goes round the corner and calls Will, telling him to get his toto outfit back from the dry cleaners. It's time for the second act. Next thing, Paul gets a call from Will, begging him to meet up again. And Paul does his usual of protesting, but eventually agrees, and of course Todd is lingering about overhearing. Todd agrees to cover for Paul and explain to Billy that Paul has gone to hospital because his mate was in a car crash or something. Paul thinks this is a great idea and then rushes off to see Will. And Todd wastes no time in going round to see Billy and explains Paul's car crash off with an excuse. Their plans for the evening are fucked. Billy gets a text from Summer, so Billy asks Todd if he wants to come and stay for something to eat. Todd, the prick, pretends that it's too soon. Some other time just to get Billy a little bit flustered and, mm-hmm. oh no, sorry, I didn't mean to pressure you and blah, 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 blah. Mm. Yeah. So Paul meets Will in that weird little dark alley. Will claims his mum got beaten up by his stepdad. And then Paul gets a call from Billy. Paul continues the lies while Will listens on and after the call, Paul makes another pitch for Will to go to the police or social services. But no feds, shouts Will.
0: He, wants the, he, he doesn't really... want the FBI to show up?
1: Or the um Oh, what's the other one? ATF. No ATF either. Alcohol, tobacco and firearms.
0: Uh, I was thinking that ATF was like the ALF, no. British. Alien UFO. No. Like what would be the British equivalent of the FBI? Would that be there isn't one? You have no Federal Bureau of Investigation. There's no, no there's no countrywide group that investigates crimes that the city Popo can't handle on their own. I don't think so. There are no federal crimes in the UK. I don't think so. So what happens if somebody commits murder in more than one jurisdiction?
1: They'll get they'll get done in one of those jurisdictions. Because the jurisdiction is United Kingdom. So does it matter? If someone kills someone in Scotland and then kills someone in England, that they get tried in England for those two murders and then get put in jail? Does it matter?
0: Well, it matters to the victim's families, surely. Why? Well, because they want them tried for... course they have been. Well, how could somebody be in a Scottish prison and an English prison at the same time?
1: They're, they're obviously not.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. See, anyway... It, You don't have a CIA? No, CIA would be MI... MI
1: MI5. I get MI5 and 6 mixed up. MI5, I think.
0: So what does MI6 do?
1: That's the military stuff, I think. That's the espionage.
0: Oh. Huh. Interesting. Anyway.
1: (laughs) I think Will is really getting invested in this role. Yeah, a little... No feds.
0: A little too in, in, in. invested.
1: Which is weird because Toto never really complained about whether there was going to be feds involved or not.
0: Yeah. But and also you have no feds.
1: Toto had really very little to say in that whole production. Will instead want some chicken. And this shitty storyline continues in the Rovers. Todd meets Billy and they have a pint and chat about Paul. Todd mm-hmm. thinks Billy is drowning his sorrows on his own. Shame that Paul was busy, says Todd the prick. And after their chicken, Will must have agreed to go to the police after all, so Paul walks him to the station, telling Will how proud he is of him. Will insists that he can deal with this himself, and Paul is oddly open to this suggestion, and he watches Will go into the station and then fucks off home, allowing Will to walk straight back out and head off in the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, he, he watches long enough to see Will go to the, go to the desk mm-hmm. and say, I've lost my phone!
1: Or say, that guy outside's bothering me!
0: So he says something that Paul can't hear, then turns around and gives Paul the thumbs up and goes sit down. And Paul gives a thumbs up back. Can you just walk up to a police station and say, I'd like to report a missing phone.
1: Oh no, I found it. It was in my pocket.
0: The whole time.
1: Paul gets home. Billy asks some questions about this mate of Paul's, kind of suggesting that he doesn't believe Paul or at least thinks that he's not getting the full story. And Paul ignores this and goes off for a shower. Or that
0: Paul is hiding his him from his mates. Like he's he's ashamed of. The thing is, Billy. though, that
1: Billy knows that he's not allowed to talk about such some of these things. Uh-huh. And he's asked him, "Oh, is this about that young kid?" Oh, you can't tell me. Uh-huh. And yet he keeps on asking these these kind of probing questions to try and get some more information out of Paul about it. I don't think like Billy's really handling this particularly well.
0: Well, no, but to be fair. In this instance, Paul didn't say I had to go into work at the, at the hotline. He said, I had a friend who got into a car accident. So as far as Billy knows, one thing has nothing to do with the other. So him prying about Paul's friends that he doesn't know is completely different from prying about the hotline.
1: Weeks ago, Paul said, do you know what? I don't think I should do this. I don't know if I can handle it. At that point, he should have just said, I'm not going to do this. Hmm. Billy is reading The Beekeeper of Aleppo by Christy Leftery. Currently 4.285 on the Goodreads. On Wednesday, Paul's at work getting calls from Will who is predictably desperate to see him and learning that Paul is at work isn't cutting no mustard. Todd offers to cover for Paul, but Paul grabs Sarah and asks for a long lunch. And Sarah's in a good mood because of another storyline, so gives him the whole afternoon off. Hmm. Paul can't go on like this and decides to tell Billy. And Todd disapproves of this honesty and wants his name kept out of it.
0: And then Sarah tells Todd he cannot have the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> no, try turning up on time, your That
0: was kind of nice that, that Sarah is now being a bit more equal.
1: Right. So, he goes home where Billy is dressed as Santa, about as convincing as Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places. He has something serious to tell Billy.
0: Dan Aykroyd at least had a bit of a belly.
1: And some smoked salmon hanging from his beard. <laughs> Remember? And a gun. And then a dog pees on his leg as he tries to blow his brains out. Ah, Trading Places.
0: Ah, uh, comedy of the 80s. <laughs>
1: I can't imagine that that's aged particularly well.
0: Probably not. I only the concept alone hasn't aged very well.
1: <laughs> I only worked out what was going on at the end of it fairly recently to understand the kind of what, what is going on here <laughs> when they make all their money and the Jukes lose all their money.
0: Right. Anyway,
1: I've just been followed by somebody called Blowjob Chanel.
0: Well, that doesn't happen
1: every day. once or twice a week maybe but not every day if you're lucky (laughs) we don't see it but billy chooses not to take this very well why did paul lie paul says he was just trying to do the right thing he's careful not to mention todd but billy sees through him and it's hurt when it transpires that paul has been talking to todd before talking to him billy still dressed as santa is very serious when he says that he has to go now and when he gets back, he's still in a foul mood. He's still disappointed that Paul spoke to Todd. Why does Paul think Todd is volunteering? And did Todd encourage Paul to speak with Will? Paul says that Todd said the opposite. And this makes things worse. Billy snarls that Paul doesn't know Todd like he does. Todd is clever. Or put it another way, Paul, you're a fucking moron.
0: Yeah, that's. <laughs> it was unfortunate the way that Billy worded that, wasn't it? Because it did, it did make it seem like he's smarter than you.
1: Yep. He's smarter than the average Paul. (laughs) Boo-boo. It's true, though. Well,
0: he's clever, but Paul has more street smarts. And also, Todd's evil plots here are all stupid.
1: (laughs) He's like Dick Dastardly in the (laughs) watch.
0: He is Dick Dastardly. He's absolutely Dick Dastardly. We just need to get him a little pencil said mustache and a dog that smokes eight packs a day. Ah, oh, Muttley. We mentioned... <coughs> this is not the first time we've talked about wacky races in this podcast. No, so, and, 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 and it won't be the
1: last. <laughs> she will kill again. And last week, or the week before, I think it was last week when Todd was gone up to... Become a volunteer, mm-hmm. and the the boss whose name escapes me, who he and uh, Todd had a little bit of a flirty fluffy going yeah. on, and the boss said, "We're going to have to do our uh, BCG on you."
0: Right.
1: No, a BGC. Ah. Uh-huh. BCG is a injection against rubella. A BGC is a background check. What if they'd done the same background check on Paul, and what that would have brought up, given that. Paul's been in prison,
0: and also uh, uh, was abused as a child. Although I think they do know that he was abused.
1: That would maybe not come up in a background check, but his uh, his going to prison certainly would.
0: So wait, a BCG is a vaccine against rubella?
1: Yeah, German measles, right? That's rubella. I still got my BCG mark, and huh. now have a tattoo over most of yeah. it. Right enough, but it's still there.
0: It's called an MMR here measles mumps and rubella
1: I think it, that's what it is now yeah. but when I got it it was a BCG
0: see I don't have a mark I I, I don't know
1: everybody I, in the UK of a certain age has a mark on their yeah. left arm
0: I mean I was vaccinated because people still give that vaccine I thought it was a smallpox that gave you the mark no yeah. because I was never vaccinated against smallpox because we didn't have to do it's that because a thing. the vaccine worked.
1: I have a memory of the needle getting stuck in my arm. That when they pulled it out, the syringe came away but the needle was left. I'm almost sure that that didn't happen. But I have a memory of it happening. Because everybody's told the same story that the needle got stuck in their arm to make the next bunch of people who are about to go and get their injections Uh shit fear of it. So I think I've told the story. Who are you
0: talking to after you get your injections? Your classmates. You got it. You got vaccinated at school. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I can't imagine that happening. Second here. year or third year, and then you go to your doctor. The, the, the to bullies get vaccinated. of
1: the year with punching arm punching the BCG. That was oh, fucking sore. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's awful. But everyone, depending on how it reacts, some people got uh, pretty nasty bcg scars my mom mm. had a terrible bcg scar yeah
0: oh.
1: mine wasn't that bad and i got a tattoo over it but
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but yeah you tell the next bunch of yeah saps that were about to get it, that bloody hurt by the way and see the needle it's six inches long and they got stuck in my arm and i think i told that story so often mm-hmm. i ended up believing it yeah pretty sure it didn't happen
0: see i have a chicken pox scar but it's like up here it's hidden by my hair. My sister's chickenpox scars on her chest.
1: The um the mothership. Uh huh. The mother pock, was on my nose, and I still have a kind of dent in my oh, nose.
0: Oh, is that where that dent came from? Mm-hmm.
1: That was my main chickenpox.
0: Very interesting. I had
1: another one. Look at it, see where that one is.
0: Oh, well, I've seen that one too. <laughs> that <laughs> on th- explains that. <laughs>
1: on Thursday. <laughs> Paul and Billy are freaking about the whole Todd and Will thing. Paul says he has a moral code like Billy which says that he can't turn his back on a 14-year-old kid in need. Yeah, well, that's why you work at a helpline. Not, let's meet them up in dark alleys round about Manchester. Right. Paul asks if he's forbidden from speaking with Todd and Billy is outraged by this and fucks off to mass. And That's as far as we get with that. If, I'd if, be kind of happy if this none of this was happening.
0: Yeah. Did Billy ever finish writing that, um, that <laughs> sermon?
1: sermon? I don't think so.
0: But talking about the sermon, I was kind of hoping we'd actually get to hear his sermon. Why? I don't know, because it would be nice to actually see Billy at work. We
1: saw him dressed as Santa. What more do you want?
0: (laughs) I'm working in the stall.
1: So, Todd, I don't have any more to say on this than previous weeks. Todd's probably going to split up Billy and Paul. He's going to try. At least temporarily.
0: He's going to try. I don't...
1: If he's got his sights on that boss,
0: focus on that. I don't think Billy and
1: Paul do whatever they...
0: Does he want Billy back or does he not want Billy to be happy? What is his motivation here? Because I don't think Billy would ever get back with Todd. No. And Todd has to know this.
1: The way that Billy was behaving this week was like, uh, Todd is... ...is an evil genius. Right. And disapproves of him in, in every way. But the heart wants what the heart wants, Helen.
0: Hmm. What does your heart want, Gav?
1: I want to talk about Chesney's Christmas miracle. That's what I want to do. So let's do that now, shall we? On Monday, Gemma and Chesney are back. Yay! <laughs> Delayed yay. Well, compl- no,
0: Gemma's been back for a while.
1: But we haven't seen them in storylines as Yeah, such. together. They complain about money to each other. Chesney suggests that they haven't started Christmas shopping yet. And Joseph wants a bigger bath. Or an iPad. I forget which. Meanwhile, Gemma is dressed up like a Cyberman. And she says that she's having problems shifting makeup. Although she has a decent <laughs> lead. <laughs> that was a delayed laugh. And I think I said Cyberman. <laughs> Like our surname was Cyberman. <laughs> yes, it's a Cyberman.
0: Cyberman, yes. <laughs> I think.
1: Which again that brings it back to friends. <laughs> Spiderman.
0: With that with with delayed laugh, was you know, first of all, that was quite clever. And second of all, the fact that you said Cyberman. like it's, Oh, Cyberman. Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein.
1: Dr. Mr. Do- and Mrs. Cyberman.
0: Of the. Midwest severance.
1: Chesney has a go at her and ropes Bernie in it looking after the quads so Gemma can go and start earning her keep. So later, Gemma, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to shout at Michael. She's been down the leisure centre and it seems that Michael has poached all her prospective clients, which sounds absolutely fair to me. And Michael is unapologetic about it. So later, Michael sees Gemma coming out the tram station, and he apologizes for stealing her leads. He offers to buy her stock offer for cost, but she needs to make money out of that shit for Christmas. Right. So she turns him down.
0: Yeah, and he says that he honestly didn't know that she had gone to this gym in the first place.
1: She'd left it so long, though. I think yeah. it's fair game. Yeah. Later, Gemma is hanging at a wreath on their front door that was made by Joseph and Kirk. And it looks like it's been made out of barbed wire, juice syringes, thistles, dog dirt, and a little sprig of mistletoe for romance.
0: And Jim uh, Jim. Gum wrappers. Chesney has
1: no words. Gemma agrees, but Kirk put all his heart into it. Right, yeah. So that there's the joke. Yeah. Chesney reports that the bloke from Bread is back with his Christmas market and suggests that Gemma gets a stall and sells her makeup there. So on Wednesday. That's what they do They get a stall And they make a dog stand And setting it up Chesney thinks They need something To hold it down And when Gemma suggests Kirk (laughs) Chesney doesn't think That Kirk is a human Sandbag material Gemma is determined To make this A Christmas To remember Gemma though Is fucking awful At selling Despite being good The other day So the boys get shot of her for an hour to pick up a present for Joseph from Jenny, agreeing to work like bastards to make up all the money Gemma has cost them by by being shite. Because two men, one of them being Kirk, are better at selling makeup than Gemma. That's what we're getting told here, is it?
0: Well, let's remember, this is unisex makeup. This is makeup for the ladies and for the blokes.
1: Who's going to buy it?
0: It's a brave new world, my darling. Who's going to buy it? Everybody's gonna going to buy it.
1: Who's going to buy it? Tyrone. <laughs> it's women that are going to buy it.
0: Mostly. And they're but not, not, not going to buy it from
1: Kirk. So Gemma goes to pick up the present from the Rovers and meets Daisy, who she feels an instant connection with after she explains about being practically Jenny's sister. And Daisy, I guess from her reaction, she pretends to feel the same way.
0: Right, yeah, and then she's a bit of a stuck-up cow about. Yeah, she, Gemma. yeah, she, she at first compliments Gemma's attire, but then when Gemma says, "Oh, we should do a swap sometime," Daisy looks horrified. I'll take your boots. At Daisy, she's like, eh, "Maybe not."
1: So Kirk is on the phone to Gemma. They sold tons of product by telling punters that Kirk is actually fifty-five years old. So anyway. <laughs> Jesse's back from Costa. Someone's robbed the stall. But not only that, they've stolen the money too because Kirk turned his back on the stall when he was phoning Gemma.
0: Yeah, but briefly. Like
1: People. And there's
0: there's people all other around. Other stall holders next right. to them. Right. And they kept their money in like a little sewing tin.
1: We're going which, to have to cancel. Right up
0: on the table. Because like, that was smart.
1: We're going to have to cancel Christmas, says a fretted Chez. And in the pub they work out the next move. Whoever it is, it must work because the next we see them they have two massive boxes they claim are full of Christmas stuff. Gemma is made up and promises Chesney his hole later. Ches and Kirk keep the stuff at Kirk's for safekeeping, which I thought was weird. And privately, Chesney tells Kirk to keep quiet by this to Beth. Gemma must not find out where the money for this came from. And then we don't find out
0: where the money for this came from.
1: Because that's as far as we get with that this week.
0: Yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> has Chesney been turning tricks in the back alley I'm just trying to think of ways that Chesney would be making money that he doesn't want Gemma to know
1: I wonder if the block from Bread's got something to do with it but then I wonder why we're not finding out the resolution to that this week Yeah, because it's not important enough to find out next week is it this feels like a kind of weekly story that starts and finishes e- yeah, in a week.
0: We don't even see, we don't even see um, them opening presents on Christmas, because obviously they can't have that many people in a room together for Christmas.
1: No, it's it's interesting to see how we get round about that. What excuses are manufactured on the fly to right. excuse people like Brian and Alex from turning up at Yasmin's? Right. Flat tire and a pasty, apparently.
0: <clears throat> what
1: a flat tire and a pasty. Oh, apparently, yes, but we will get to that. Our next storyline today is Who Twatted Adam on Monday at the hospital? But not like that. A nurse explains to Sarah that because of the plot, they're going to need to keep Adam sedated for a little bit longer. And along comes DS Whatever, who has questions for Sarah about a watch that she apparently bought from Bernie. Sarah puts her best, I'm uncomfortable in pretending to think about it face. Later, Sarah is wearing leather trousers. She's told DS Whatever. (laughs) She's told DS Whatever that she... I just write it down. I just see it and I write it down. She's told DS Whatever that she bought the watch... (laughs)
0: Why are you so interested in (laughs) women's clothing on the show? You never talk about what Chesney is wearing or what Johnny is wearing. Why is it just the ladies, Gav? Why? Why is it just the ladies who have their attire uh, commented upon?
1: It's Hmm? not... Hmm?
0: Why? Why is that, Gav? Sexist prick. (laughs)
1: You wonder why Sarah's lower half is shiny? And you go, because oh, she's wearing leather trousers. That's it. It's like a little magpie to a, <laughs> to a, a, a silver trinket. So anyway. Oh, dear. Uh, she's told DS Whatever that she bought the watch for Adam, but then they split up, so she got rid of it by throwing it in the garbage. DS Whatever thinks that's odd, and Sarah agrees. She was very, very drunk at the time. Sarah confirms that there was an inscription in the back of the watch for Rick the Chin or something. She says, and "I thought
0: it was interesting that she that she says that that she that she doesn't say, I can't remember or it said something to, to someone to someone that she gets that specific." I thought was mm-hmm. surprising.
1: And Roy's rolls. Maria's witnessed an argument between Brian and Bernie. Bernie is mad because Brian told her that there'd be a reward for telling the cops about the watch that they found in the woods. And that to be said,
0: fair, Brian says there might be a reward. Mm-hmm.
1: That she sold to Sarah for 50 quid and all she got was fuck all. And when Brian flings off, Maria checks with Bernie that she heard right about selling the watch and then further learns from a talkative Bernie that Gary was not happy about this transaction and offered 100 quid for it himself. Maria gets home and boy is she in a mood. She challenges Gary about the watch in the woods and he plays dumb. She knows he's a liar because Bernie says that he was dying to get his hands in it, but not like that, and it's engraved to Rick the Chin. She asks if it was Rick the Chin's. He claims to have been distracted by mention of the woods and admits to trying to buy the watch because he thought it might be Rick's. He thought that she found it on the street. Maria asks if it's just coincidence that the police and the new forensics department are searching those woods. Maybe, says Gary, maybe not. He wants to know what a real question is here. And she asks if Rick the Chin is dead. He says he doesn't know, and it's nothing to do with him anyway. On Wednesday, Gary is <clears throat> vogling police search woods, which I'm sure the police will find interesting when they eventually confiscate his computer. Right. He quickly shuts the laptop when Maria comes in claiming to be tracking her presence. Then DS Whatever buzzes the door, and Gary and Maria assume that this is about Adam. But DS Whatever takes some joy from revealing, Oh, well, that's good to know that you had nothing to do with Adam's twatting, says DS Whatever. But I'm actually here to talk about Rick the Chin.
0: I like this detective.
1: DS Whatever, yeah. Yeah, I like him. It's good. So. Sarah and Daniel are on the street when they see DS whatever leading Gary into his car and Sarah smiles smugly as Gary's taken away and Maria looks on anxiously. Meanwhile, David is taken David for a walk and sees Maria upset in the community garden. He that tells, was
0: hilarious when David says to David to come in and do a shit. He's like, come on David do a shit and it's like he's talking to himself only he's got the dog on the
1: he tells her about him and Shona from another storyline and she explains that she has police searching in her flat unsupervised as well. Yeah. They chat about how unlikely it is that Gary's a murderer and then David does a shit in the community garden.
0: Yes. Which is good because he's been constipated all morning.
1: Yep. At the police station, DS Whatever tells Gary that they found evidence of a body in the woods. What has Gary done with Rick the Chin? Gary hasn't seen Rick in a year and has no idea where he is and he's never been to them woods.
0: See, he did dig him up.
1: DS, whatever, plays the DNA card and asks if Gary has never gone hunting for Roman coins, for example. And Gary twigs at this that they've had a tip-off. But the cops have nothing on them, and so he leaves. And that's kind of what it's looking like. That, Gary
0: moved that body.
1: And that's why he was out, and that's why he washed his hands. But Why was Sarah washing her hands?
0: No, no, he moved the body, like, ages ago when, um... I think he moved the body ages ago. Remember when he had that tarp and the shovel in the back and Sarah sees it? And that's when Sarah found out that he had murdered Rick the Chin.
1: Oh, well, that's not what Sarah thinks. We will get to this. Yeah. But it does seem at some point...
0: Gary moved that body. Mm. And he's very smug about it.
1: Sarah is in the rovers with Daniel. She explains about the rumors that Gary buried Rick the Chin in the woods. And Daniel doesn't seem surprised, but wonders how it's linked to Adam. Sarah's only telling him what she knows, but she lets slip that she was out when she saw Gary the night Adam got twatted that Gary was out. Daniel jumps in this, and Sarah is done being accused by Daniel. She tells him he shove his suspicions up his arse. Right! <laughs> up his up arse! His arse. <laughs> I've never seen you sit forward so quickly in <laughs> You're lounging back there and you thought, like, oh no, we're doing the arse thing, so to speak. DS whatever goes to see Maria and finds out what (laughs) what Gary and Rick the Chin had to do with each other. When Maria doesn't know, which Maria doesn't know much about. DS whatever goes to leave and checks her alibi, reminding Maria about how it's a criminal offence to lie to the police, and she could go to prison. And Liam's your son, isn't it? So So DS whatever. Yeah,
0: she he, and this is brilliant. He pulls a Columbo.
1: Just one more thing. Just, just one
0: more thing. Just just one more thing.
1: Or even a Columbo.
0: That was Columbo. Oh,
1: I thought Peter Falk.
0: A and I actually like it was it was brilliant. I was like, oh he's he's pulling a Columbo. This is brilliant. He's even got the trench coat. He's just a wee bit taller than Peter Falk.
1: And has two eyes. <laughs> you can never just, tell with Peter Falk which one was fake, though, eh?
0: Just one more thing.
1: Whatever it was, his eyes still seem to follow you around the room.
0: Yes, still do. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> Where the ghost of Peter Fox shows up.
1: I was watching the Chase Christmas special yesterday They had Richard Herring on it. Uh huh. Two, I'm a huge fan of, you know, yes. Richard
0: Herring. Yes.
1: And all the chasers were dressed up as uh, famous artworks. Uh huh. So you had. Uh, the girl with the pearl earrings. Uh-huh. I, th- I think it was Jenny that was dressed up like that. I can't remember who uh, the governess was dressed as. But then Paul Sinner came out and he was dressed as... I think it was Paul Sinner. I'm getting them all mixed up. But one of them came out and he was dressed as Mona Lisa. <laughs> and Richard Herring says, Yeah, his eyes follow you around about the room. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. And uh-huh. no- nobody laughed.
0: Aww. Oh, that's we really shame. so we're getting the sh- we're getting the chase in America, and I'm deeply disappointed that all of the chasers are men are white men. Are they really they're all dudes. they're all jeopardy champions uh, it's yeah. it well, it's 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 Ken Jennings and then that guy, that new guy, and then one of the other guys. and it's like women have won jeopardy. People of color have war- have won jeopardy. Why is the British chase much more? Diverse than the American chase. I am not happy about this.
1: So Dias, Whatever goes to the furniture thing to see Gary explaining that Maria has changed her statement so that he, she doesn't know if he was home at night. And Dias, Whatever goes to the link of showing Gary the signed statement, which is signed Maria. That was funny reading it. I was asleep and I can't remember if the door was open and blah, blah, blah. So where was Gary when Adam was attacked? <coughs> Gary taunts Dias, Whatever to arrest him, holds out his hands, cuff me. But DS Whatever says it's an ongoing investigation and leaves them to it. Jenny is out with her magic spray, giving the Rovers a clean when she discovers something stuffed down between the, sh- the seat cushions in one of the booths. And it's Adam Barlow's phone. Although she bases this on there being a Barlow Legal Services business card in the cover. And I thought this was going to be a little bit of a um, pull the rug from under you. Yeah, right. You know, a, a quick. Uh, let you believe it's something a little misdirect that this is right. actually somebody else's phone but it appears that it is in fact Adams Sarah's on the phone to Gail when she sees Gary Fleming Windass walking about bold as brass Fury, furious she nabs PC Tinker and demands to know why the police haven't arrested Gary and rather than say <laughs> that he's not up to speed with every case at Weatherfield Police are investigating Seriously. especially ones where he knows who's involved PC Tinker tells her to keep this to yourself but while they found a body the DNA was too degraded to be useful. Is that what DNA does now? It degrades after 18 months?
0: Well it so depends. we don't
1: know all those things about dinosaurs now isn't it?
0: Well it depends upon the weather conditions and stuff because it can degrade.
1: Oh trust you to stick up for PC Tinker.
0: Well in the dinosaur DNA we get from the bones and there are no bones there. It's in the just amber. in the dirt.
1: Mostly the amber. That's what Jurassic Park got right.
0: Yeah, no, well apparently that's that's not true that because that's the, the the blood would have degraded inside the mosquito.
1: What are you saying? <laughs> Jurassic Park is wrong. <laughs> so rather than hand it to Sarah, Jenny goes to see Daniel and gives it to him. It's dead, just like Sinead. So he pops oh on God! the charger and goes to pick up Bertie. Sarah's still furious. <laughs> I could have said the battery was flat, like Rana, and I didn't.
0: No, no, I, I was I was going to say I'm, I'm glad you moved on from dead Rana jokes, but <laughs> Sarah
1: Oops. is still furious when she goes to see Gary. Oh, how he's changed! He's lost his decency and his honesty. How does he sleep at night? She calls him low. He says he's smart, smarter than her, and smarter than Adam. Sarah has it all figured out, except that she hasn't. She reckons Gary was worried Adam was going to spill his guts about Rick the Chin, so he moved the body and then clonked Adam over the skull. Could he do both? Would there be time to do both?
0: There would not have been time to do both.
1: Gary reckons Sarah is working so hard to blame him, the only reason that he can think of for her doing that is to cover her own tracks. Sarah insists that he murdered Rick the Chin and tried to kill Adam, just as Maria comes in. Sarah was just leaving. Yeah, Gary says, and so she does. Gary explains that Sarah just wanted to know what the police said, and then he gets torn into what Maria did the
0: police say? for
1: fucking his alibi right in the ear. But Maria isn't in the mood to chat after the police search earlier, and she goes off to feed Liam and Jake, and probably Isaiah as well. Bertie, successfully retrieved, Daniel hears the, police, the phone's mm-hmm. notification, and he sees three notifications, all from the 11th of December. In reverse order, it's a text from Sarah saying, don't hold out on me or you'll be sorry. Another that says, I need to see you. And one missed call from Peter. Mm -hmm. So Maria gets back and Gary snaps on again about the alibi. Now he's a flaming suspect. In the end, says Maria, she doesn't trust him. She asks what Sarah wanted and why she was so angry. Why does she think that he killed Rick the Chin? She asks him to look her in the eye, which she eventually does, but she doesn't fall for it. And instead she throws him out. On Thursday, Gary sleeps in the furniture thing and gives Maria a call, but he has to leave a message. He has a present to deliver for Liam. Gary also has a robot Santa that wishes everyone a Merry Christmas, and he pats it on the head as he leaves his wee furniture thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sarah is bringing in the milk or something. The street is like NYC from the 1970s, with police cars roaming all about the place. She clocks Daniel (laughs) on the other side of the street, keeping an eye on her. What a fucking creep. And at some point, Kelly the Chin has arrived at Maria's. Kelly the Chin's back.
0: Yay! That eyebrow thing
1: seems to be permanent. I wonder if she had a scar on it. Have we talked about this? We have, because I'm feeling my my (laughs) own scar. She's spoken with the police and she demands to know where Gary is because Gary's the only person who can get in touch with Rick the Chin. And by the way, Laura the Chin has done another runner. Kelly doesn't buy it. When Maria pleads ignorance, Maria eventually calls Gary and tells him to come round. Detective Daniel, meanwhile, is at number eight, literally quizzing Sarah. He has ideas way above his station, while Sarah explains how she saw Adam at 7.30, and then she went home, and she explains how she had a row with him, uh, and, she, and then he explains about the phone and the rovers, and the angry text from 7pm, and the others about two hours later. He says the miscall call was first, which reverses the order I read out a couple of minutes ago. Sarah entertains creepy Daniel for longer than she needs as she explains her movements, so to speak. He wants to know her alibi. She tells him to suck a bag of dicks. She loves her husband. Daniel says, well, we'll know the truth soon enough because he's going back up to the hospital because they're going to try to wake him back up again. Why isn't Sarah going to be the one to go to the hospital while they wake up, Adam? Why is it Daniel?
0: No idea. And why are the why is the hospital telling Daniel these things instead of Sarah, who is Adam's next of kin?
1: Correct. Daniel is so weird here.
0: And and Sarah doesn't say to him, "Wait, they're waking him up." Well, I should be there. Yep. She she doesn't volunteer even to go.
1: Gary hasn't stepped into the flat before Kayla, the Chin is quizzing him about her dad. She wants him to call. But Gary says that that's not how this works and he's not heard from Rick in ages. The wind is knocked out of Gary's sail somewhat when Kelly reveals that she got a Christmas card from the chin that the police have taken in to look for fingerprints. Gary says all this will put Rick in more danger. Kelly leaves and now Maria gets stuck into Gary for keeping all this Rick the Chin shake from her. Who
0: he blows that? her off
1: and says it will be back with Leon's present.
0: Who sent that Christmas card?
1: Uh, presumably Gary.
0: Well, it doesn't seem like Gary knows anything about it. By the way... The wind is kind of knocked out of his sails.
1: No, I thought he was worried about the the fingerprint thing. Maybe. Meanwhile, Nick goes to ask Sarah for a favour. It seems the read order is about to go tits up thanks to an email that Carla sent to Tom or something. Sarah's not thrilled about cleaning up the mess the woman who slept with her husband made, but she agrees. And when Gary goes round, Liam's not there. Maria tells him to leave the present and go. He wants to come round tomorrow, but she doesn't think that's a great idea. What with the Rick, the chin, and the Adam thing, and the Laura, the chin things. She can't tell if he's lying. He says he's done with all that business. Is there nothing I should know, she asks, and he gulps and says no. Too bad, so sad, she says, and she announces that what she wants for Christmas is a divorce. Mm -hmm. So Gary goes back to the furniture thing. The Santa robot laughs and wishes everyone a Merry Christmas again, but this time Gary batters the fuck out of it.
0: He really does.
1: Meanwhile, Sarah is alone in a dark factory working on a laptop when she deletes... Permanently deletes an email, maybe the important one that the order Nick was talking about, the one that Carla supposedly sent. Then at the hospital, creepy detective Daniel's sitting with Adam as he wakes up. It's Christmas morning now. The police are looking for whoever did this to you, says Daniel. And Adam's first words out of a medically induced coma, without so much as a dry crow car, I can tell you exactly who twatted me across the head. And Daniel looks a little bit like he just shot himself. On Christmas Day, Adam was alone in the bass rope and the lights go out. There's moving behind him a green glow, and then his lights go out and he gasps awake in his hospital bed, which I thought was a little bit like lost.
0: Yes, it was all a hallucination.
1: Later, creepy. St- Creepy, shifty, weirdo Daniel is at Adam's bedside, awkwardly asking if Adam can remember what he said yesterday when he woke up. He was so out of it, says Daniel.
0: Right, but, and this tells you exactly that Daniel did not hear what he wanted to hear.
1: Right. Adam remembers and announces that where Peter had done this. He remembers knowing Peter was there before he saw him. And he didn't actually see him, but he smelt the whiskey on his breath, and he would smelt it earlier in the pub. Daniel seems unwilling to believe this, but Adam is sure. It was Adam a cheap sure.
0: Irish kind, he says. The sweet
1: Irish kind. <laughs> Jenny is selling gluvin outside the rovers to an assortment of cast members. Gary comes along mad that Maria wants a divorce and loudly gets stuck into Sarah for her fake alibi, demanding to know where she was the night of Adam's attack. Sheepish. Sarah tells Carla that she was at the factory that night and she was the one what sent the email from Carla's account to the client to make Carla look bad. She's sorry and she's since deleted it. Carla's cool and doesn't explain <coughs> doesn't explain Sarah's hand washing but does explain why she was out at that point. Gary can't believe that that's all the hassle that Sarah's going to get for this. Maybe
0: it's because we're in a pandemic and she was just outside and touching things and you're supposed to wash your hands while singing Happy Birthday.
1: Not believing that.
0: Every time you come in.
1: When the tables are turned and people start demanding to know where Gary was, he slinks off in a huff. Peter turns up at the hospital to see Adam. Merry Christmas, he says ominously. He thinks Adam is doing a grand job of playing the victim here.
0: (laughs) Adam, who has just woken up out of an induced coma, Mm -hmm. is playing the victim.
1: He's been texting with Daniel, and he wasn't the one who twatted Adam, although he'll gladly shake the hand of whoever it was who did it. And back at the rovers, Daniel catches up with Peter.
0: Doesn't make you look uh, guilty at all there, Peter, does it?
1: No. And Peter isn't really much for talking about it, and again, Daniel looks a bit uneasy at how this is playing out. I'm kind of worried that Daniel is looking so obviously guilty about something here.
0: don't think he's looking guilty I think he's just he's upset because he didn't want it to be Peter he wanted it to be Sarah or or Gary so he he doesn't want it to be Peter because he doesn't want it to be a family member what done it to another family member because that just carries on what we already know about the Barlows
1: the Fae thing seems to have taken a bit of a backseat I think she's kind of fallen out of the reckoning a little bit again
0: Mm. I don't think it was Sarah. Mm-mm. Do you? No. Yeah.
1: Who do you think it was then? Simon?
0: Mm-mm.
1: think Simon did that and the, the paint? Mm-mm. You do think it
0: was Simon? No.
1: Why do you think it was Simon? <laughs> Why am I being such an asshole?
0: Because it's Christmas. Nobody knows.
1: <laughs> it's hard to tell. Who do you think it is?
0: Well, it obviously can't be Peter, can it? No. He was because... so drunk. Because Adam says it was Peter. He he obviously can't be Peter. His
1: his pet half-brick that he had before the attack and after the attack he was holding on to this
0: Well, we don't know if that was before and after.
1: We do, because I watched it back.
0: Yeah, well, just because we saw it in that order doesn't necessarily mean that it was in that order.
1: No, it does. It absolutely Mm. does.
0: I don't think it's somebody obvious. I don't think... I think it's Grace. I think
1: <laughs> <gasps> Coddles back
0: <laughs> I think I think this is a case of mistaken identity. I think
1: just like us, Faye.
0: Well, Faye's not the only one mad at Ray Weinstein, let's remember. There's lots of people mad at Ray Weinstein who would like to kill him.
1: Oh Debbie! We haven't seen any of Debbie hmm. Would she do that? I don't know if her arm moves out of that kind of kink <laughs> that she's got to carry her handbag to twat anyone over the head or anything. Hmm. I think she's finding it difficult. I don't know. Anyway. Let's move on. Tim's dad, The Aftermath. On Thursday, in, in another...
0: the afterlife.
1: In another storyline, Imran and are Toya are very excitable and time? in the hubbub, a jasmine comes out of her room asking if everything's okay and in Nick, we knows she's standing outside her own house with Alia and Ryan. Apparently, the builders have said that the place is safe and after the inferno from the other week... And even though it's Christmas Eve, Yasmin is ready to move back in This will be the best Christmas ever And she bites along a passing Cathy Back in the house, Yasmin is planning Christmas dinner Until she realises that Tim's dad took all her money and all her cards Yasmin offers her Alia offers her a loan And Ryan says the shops will be open until whenever So that all helps And Yasmin is looking a tad uncomfortable being back in her house On Christmas Day And
0: taking money from Alia
1: Although it's still early, early Yasmin has put on a wonderful table and Alia's very ap- impressed At Tim and Sally's face, Unimpressed with the gift that she got from Sally Then Tim's mum reveals that she's kept Every present that she never gave to Tim Until he was 16 over numerous decades And she has them all with her right now in a big bag Tim's dad always returned them Apparently Tim yeah. doesn't know what to say Then no one knows what to say <laughs> Tim's mum are you creepy?
0: No she- she's not creepy And also I really Like her necklace
1: Tim's mum's sorry if it feels like she's been pushing Tim away, but she was worried that she'd get that he'd get bored of her. This has been the best Christmas Tim's mum has ever had. Yikes. Back at Yasmin's, she sends Ryan to let Cathy in while she grabs some champagne glasses, and behind them in the cupboard, is one of Tim's dad's infamous red crossies. What a lazy woman. This sends Jasmine into a little world of her own that Ryan blames on the drink, and he quickly has to backtrack and apologise when Alia makes chopping lo- motions at her throat. Yasmin cheers up come on for all's time's sake let's get fucking lashed then Yasmin has a similar weird moment when she sees the bottles of wine on the counter and when Ryan is carving the turkey suddenly the entire kitchen is covered in red crosses and Ryan is Tim's dad berating Yasmin for being stupid she slumps down in the corner of the kitchen while Alia and Kathy remind her that she's safe and she's with them
0: and that women are hypocrites about wanting equality because Kathy and Alia tease Ryan about carving the turkey
1: right I'm terrible at carving turkey. You really
0: are. I still make you do it.
1: It's like a murder in the thing.
0: Still make you do it.
1: Later, Tim's mum comes round and Yasmin is keen to talk to her, sending Ali and Ryan on their way. So they sit and chat about taking back control and dealing with the memories. And Tim's mum says that there's two things that uh, Yasmin has going for her. One, that she has her friends and family that she can rely, rely on and they want to help. And two, Tim's dad is fucking dead.
0: Yeah, she won't be looking over her shoulder the way Tim's mum was right. all those years.
1: Later, Yasmin is ridding the kitchen of the last red cross. So it seems that she's turned a little bit of a corner, maybe?
0: Maybe. I thought this was well done. It was very well done. The way they uh, they have her kind of descend into this sort of...
1: Yeah. Cause, it was a very clever direction and uh mm. and of the camera away from the kitchen and back. And when it comes Mm. back, it's covered in red crosses. I thought was, Oh, that's really, really well done.
0: And then when it's shifting back into the dining room and it's Tim's dad in his creepy magician's costume.
1: Right. Yeah. Christmas day was just so good. Mm. Let's just skip on to our last storyline today. All I want for Christmas is a six foot rabbit. On Monday, Shona has slept in the kitchen, giving David a wee surprise when he gets up. She's woozy as she apologises for yesterday because she went got drunk like with Simon in the bistro. And my T-shirt arrived. Yay. Locked in the bistro with Simon Barlow.
0: Yeah, and you posted a, a great selfie of yourself wearing the T-shirt in this room.
1: Yes, I did. He tells her not to worry about it as he goes off for a shower. Then Gail comes in and tells Shona that while she made a mistake, David still loves her. And that's not ominous at all Later Shona's eyeing and David is instantly suspicious She's trying to make up for yesterday She knows now that breaking into the bistro And getting the son of an alky absolutely hammered Wasn't the right thing to do And so she promises never to do it again And she appreciates David's support David's coming back from buying milk When Ray Weinstein interrupts him Showing off a memory card that has CCTV footage of it That shows that Barlow kid And David's radio rental missus Helping themselves to booze in his bistro And he's on his way to snitched to the cops David is initially nonplussed by the whole thing, thinking that oh, she'll just get off, off with a little for the warning. And then Ray mentions how stressful it could be getting quizzed by the fuzz, so to speak.
0: Yeah, we know we. David doesn't know, but we know that he would never go to the police with this footage. No, because he doesn't want the police to know that he has CCTV mm-hmm. working.
1: So, David offers to square up, but Ray wants him to remove his support from the demolition protest. Ray seems to think that David is the main agitator. He's forgotten about Abby. And so, David reluctantly agrees. And later, David gets home and Shona goes on about Nick's creepy kid from another storyline, who Shona reckons is too confident for a nine year old. <laughs> I'm starting to like Shona now. David agrees that Sam is a brat and then explains that he's running with Ray. He's
0: not really a brat, it's though. Not a brat.
1: Uh, explains he's running with Ray, but he sorted it. Okay, great, says Shona, who doesn't give it a second thought and makes a start on tea. And somewhat disillusioned, David goes upstairs to clear his head. Someone pointed at his bedrooms in the uh, annex, of what he's going upstairs for, who knows.
0: Yeah. Later, Do you chun- think clear his head is... Of <laughs> a wank? Yes. Yep.
1: Later, Shona has <laughs> somehow burned, him- burned herself. She was making tomato soup to make it up for him. Uh, he wants a chat and asks her to be honest. Are you happy? He asks. No, she says immediately. But it's like she's not happy because she's just burnt herself. Right. She doesn't know if it's because of him, but eventually admits to thinking that she'd be happier living at Roy's.
0: Well, she doesn't say she'd be happier living at Roy's. It's confusing even for someone who doesn't have a brain injury. You know, because he's like, when you lived at Roy's, were you happier there than you are here? And she says Roy's, but that's because Well, she did burn herself a royce, but, you know, she's in the moment.
1: Shona wants to do the questions again because David is so obviously upset. He says he didn't like her answers, but that doesn't mean that they were wrong. She looks at an old photo of old Shona and thinks that uh, old Shona would have given the right answers. All new Shona does is mess things up and hurt him. He says it's not working despite them both trying. And they agree to tell the kids after Christmas that they're going to be splitting up. And then Shona just goes straight back to watching the telly. On Wednesday in Roy's Rolls, Nina has a present for Shona. It's a portrait of Shona and her wee family, except Clayton. Oh, no! Except Clayton.
0: Well, of course not Clayton.
1: (laughs) Shona gets upset and explains that she and David have broken up. Ox, says Nina. Later, there's a rather heavy-handed metaphor about a cheesecake, as Shona explains that she knows that she did like cheesecake, but she doesn't feel the same way about cheesecake. But she still eats cheesecake because people expect her to like cheesecake.
0: Right. She says, it doesn't taste the same anymore. And I was like, oh, no. Does Shona have the COVID? (laughs) She can't taste the cheesecake.
1: Meanwhile, seems like a euphemism for something. Meanwhile, David is in the rovers revealing far too much information to Daisy, who he barely knows about his problems with Shona. Daisy pretends to be sorry to hear that, then offers David their own party for two with a lost key, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. And he declines and sells just for a bottle of lager. Back in Roy's roles, Shona reveals that when David asked if she was happy she didn't answer as if the question was are you happy with me? She took it to be more general than that. Roy offers his advice that the question was more broad and asks how uh, David makes her feel and she answers positively. Nina thinks that she should have another word with David. So David gets home and Shona asks for a quick word but he'd rather not because it hurts to and they've said everything that they need to say. Let's just get Christmas out of the way and then we can talk about it. And Shona's bit. Shona's a bit crestfallen about this. Yes. On Thursday, David and Shona are wrapping presents. David tries to reminisce about Christmas wrapping in days of yore, but Shona doesn't remember. So because of this, David decides to tell Shona that he's been in touch with a social who have agreed to reassess her needs. She won't have to move out straight away, and he'll support her financially as best he can. Shona isn't interested in talking about this either. She has other things to do, and she abruptly leaves. And thanks to other storylines, Sarah and Nick and David are all at number eight at the same time, which allows David to tell him about him and Shona splitting up. Sarah and Nick agree that it's sad, but dumping her at Christmas? David can't keep pretending that everything is normal. Then a cheery Shona comes home and goes upstairs to play with the kids.
0: David has this weird idea that being married to someone means that you're happy all the time. Right. Which he should know better at this point. Right. Because even old Shona and he weren't happy all the time. Yeah, vis a vis Clayton. Clayton.
1: Remember that time that uh, Shona ran out of the house and then ran straight back into the house? Yeah. Oh, good times.
0: And Clayton zigzagged through a cemetery.
1: <laughs> that was brilliant.
0: <laughs> I'm going to uh, have to dig that out again.
1: <laughs> or the um, prison riot. Oh, yeah. The two people running by the camera. Oh Oh, thank you Corey for such good times On Christmas Day This is, now it's Christmas Now it's Christmas Lily And a 19 foot tall Max Are thrilled that it's Christmas (laughs) And there's presents
0: Max and Lily are back y'all
1: Ben Price is no longer acting Max has done some growing He's smoking, he's got acne He's had a bit of a beard He's working (laughs) three jobs apparently (laughs) It's also David's 30th. And I was like, surely he's older than 30? Apparently not. I think it's because he's been in the show since...
0: Yeah, because he was, it was like wee.
1: Three. But there's less excitement about the birthday. David is about to explain where everyone else is, but then realises that no one cares. This, 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 it's funny and heartwarming and lovely
0: all yes, the way through this. absolutely.
1: David and Shona awkwardly wish each other a Merry Christmas. Then Shona turns up a bit of a cliff, while David is unchargeable. To Sir Cliff of Richard hmm. There's one Mahousif present left And it's for David from Shona And it's a six foot tall stuffed toy rabbit To remind him of Barney
0: I thought there was somebody <laughs> hidden under there
1: Because right. we've been talking about Barney yesterday Yes Do you like it? He is fucking thrilled with his six foot cuddly fucking rabbit Fucking
0: loves it because there's a penis tied to the front
1: It's bigger than he thought He said about <laughs> the rabbit not the penis
0: But really about the penis
1: so later, after David has been an asshole to his mum He and Shona are on the couch with a new barney between them Talk about snow at Christmas Talking about snow at Christmas that Shona can't remember I absolutely loved that shot
0: Yeah, that was good
1: Typical, says Shona She dreamt of a white Christmas as a kid And now she got shot and can't remember it Fa la 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 la, la 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 la, says David Shona got him another present, but it didn't seem right I wonder what that was mm. They're about to chat about stuff when Lolly comes running into the room, she's got a unicorn bead stuck up her nose. So off to hospital they go. Lolly wants Shona to come. That's fine. Lolly wants to take the rabbit too. There's no way in the world we're taking that rabbit. Uh-huh. And then it cuts to the waiting room in the hospital. With the rabbit with the, with
0: rabbit. the mask on, which I thought was brilliant. It's
1: fantastic. Happy flipping Christmas, says David. But in the waiting room, Shona says, is she all right under there? <laughs>
0: Do you ever get anything stuck in your nose as a child?
1: Uh, a little uh, polystyrene ball that uh, bean bags are full of. Uh-huh, yeah. But I managed to <laughs> out eventually, but it was just horrible when they get stuck up there.
0: My sister got a piece of corn stuck up her nose. Huh. She had to Good times. go to the emergency room too.
1: No, I just managed to <laughs> out. I
0: think I stuck a pee in my ear at one point.
1: I got my head stuck between the uh, railings of the school gate.
0: None of these things happened to my children, though. And you don't hear about this sort of thing happening anymore. That children get peas and yeah. stuff stuck in their orifices.
1: Say that my head needed lubrication. Still hurt my ears.
0: Yeah, still happens. Uh, yeah, but still you need... think
1: your head's going to fit in there. No.
0: <laughs> and you need lubrication. That's why
1: cats have whiskers. <laughs> But Lily's trapped beneath the massive rabbit, which was hilarious as well. (laughs) Shona produces a Hiya magazine, and she and David do the relationship quiz, and it turns out they're compatible when it comes to dinner parties and spinach. The quiz reveals that losing loved ones is a bit of a phobia for Shona, which took David by surprise. She wishes she could remember their wedding, and David talks about it like it was the highlight of his life. Then a couple of weeks later, one of the worst things happened in his life when Shona got shot. In comes Aggie, calling Lily. Everyone else can see that rabbit, right? Yeah. Says Aggie. Which again was fucking
0: hilarious Yes it was And it was so good to have Aggie back
1: Yep Yep Yes David goes off to get Lily some bribing chocolate Leaving Shona to encourage the band To let Aggie remove the bead And then she tells a joke about a flatulent l- rabbit David is hanging around on the other side of the partition And thinks this is heartwarming Which it was
0: Yeah At least she uses the British word for farts Trump Yes Later a I- carrot trumps Which, you know, is apt
1: Right Right <laughs> Later, back on the screen. No, stinky. we don't do that. But not yet. David is chatting to Gail, uh, worried about how Shona's going to cope without him. And Gail raises an eyebrow at that. Hey, where's my fucking canoe? Asks David. But <laughs> Gail's already got wind from Shona that he was unimpressed with the idea, so she's given it to Nick. He's got vouchers and smellies. So he goes to get a beer from Daisy, who's outside the rover still, who's wearing novelty reindeer antlers. As Shona goes by, and she loses her shit at the two of them Flirting. Quit fluttering your eyelashes, moose face, says Shona. (laughs) The reindeer antler, says Daisy. I know, says Shona. Brilliant stuff. She says the only reason that she's with David is because people told her that old Shona would do that. Well, she's not the old Shona anymore, and so she dumps David. And David catches up with her at the community garden. She goes back to the answer to his question a few days ago. Being at Roy's is less stressful, and he doesn't make her feel guilty for being a poorer version of herself. David admits that he's struggling dealing with this and the kids, and if something is making them unhappy then they probably shouldn't be doing it. But she doesn't make him unhappy all the time and she still makes him laugh, like the Trump thing mm-hmm. earlier on in The Big Fucking Rabbit. They agree David isn't an easy person to be around. He's more messed <laughs> up than her. He doesn't know how he'll cope without her and Shona doesn't know why they're splitting up then. And David isn't sure either. Life is hard. Shona tells him to grow up here, And so they agree not to split up and he promises not to wish that she was how she was before. Prove it, she says, and he has an idea. So David, Shona, Max and Lily, none of whom work at the factory, are at the factory where David has somehow decked a place with little candlelight bulbs and got his hands on a veil so Lots
0: of fairy lights. Sh-
1: so he and Shona can reenact their wedding. Hit the music, says David, <laughs> and after a brief baked potato song detour, <laughs> I'm coming out starts playing. Ah. And- And he explains about their wedding in great, somewhat exaggerated detail.
0: The fact that gail picked that song.
1: Although we learn that Billy's speech was boring, we get another rendition of the donut. Do we learn that? Yeah. And David (laughs) declares his love for her. And then David, Lily, and Max chase Sean around Weatherfield with cans of silly string, and Ed and Aggie and Yasmin look on and smile as it starts to snow. No one got shot, nothing exploded. It's a Christmas miracle, and that's how we end this week's episodes.
0: That was fucking brilliant,
1: wasn't it? It was.
0: I love the way the weekend.
1: This was exactly what we needed. We needed. After this year, we didn't need anything exploding. We didn't need aliens bursting <laughs> out of I don't know, Kathy's chest. <laughs> we didn't need uh, Brian morphing into Mothman. Terminator Two. None of this was required. We no. didn't need high octane. No.
0: Stunts. Right. This is exactly it.
1: Yeah. We didn't need that. What we, d- we needed was the introduction of a six foot rabbit. Yes. Because as soon as that happened
0: It just turned everything around.
1: We're sitting thinking, wait a minute. This is the way they're doing this, mm-hmm. the way that this has been filmed and the way this has been written mm-hmm. is genius and is hilarious. And is making me feel just I'm getting a little tingle just even thinking about it because it was just so well done.
0: And it's character driven. It's building up these characters. It's these characters coming to a realization about themselves and each other. It's a resolution. that doesn't require anybody to wave a gun around wearing a (laughs) clown mask or anything. (laughs) You know, it's good. I like it. And this is this is this is more more of this.
1: I think this is why people love Coronation Street. Yeah, it's for things like Christmas Day twenty twenty. Yeah, not Christmas Day twenty nineteen. No, for Robert died and Shona got shot. Right, and all the other and Irish Right, and it's like a
0: horror movie sort of like creeping through the saw type thing. Dark, dark right? Christmas. Village, thing, yeah. I mean, you more of this.
1: You can't have it all the time because you need to have some kind of
0: action and drama. And,
1: yeah, and conflict and, and whatever. Right. But to do this this year was just such a great idea. Absolutely. And they've done it so well, and they put it in the hands of characters who can carry it off. Absolutely. Never had any doubt about David being able to do that, but the new Shona.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs>
1: And the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause is that the conversations that we had throughout that episode was essentially, this is me now. Yeah. You're going to have to like it or lump it. Yeah. And we kind of came to this conclusion a while ago that we weren't ever going to get the old Shona Shona back. back. But we hoped that we would. Mm -hmm. I did anyway. That's not going to happen. Or it's certainly not going to happen quickly.
0: And in fairness, the new Shona... They have leveled her out a little bit. You know, she's not putting cheese balls on top of cakes anymore. Right. You know, she bought a present that worked. She's She remembers brief glimpses of things. She remembers things in the now much better than she does. And she, she, re- did.
1: she remembers bits of the past when David says that there was... He's had some dark moments in his life, and she says, "Oh, like when you were raped and when Kylie got stabbed." Yeah, and he says, "Yes."
0: Mm -hmm. Well, somebody told him. Somebody has recently told her about right, but she's remembered it and she's recalled it. And I'm happy. I'm happy that they're saying, "Okay, we're not going to we're not going to complain anymore about the fact that you're not the old Shona anymore. We're not. We're not going to do this." anymore.
1: It's basically a kind of fuck you to anyone that's complaining about it at home.
0: Right, yeah, fuck you Gavin Broom <laughs> on your <laughs> podcast. Right. They give us so many they Corey gives and it <laughs> <God> takes.
1: takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll always have Christmas 2020.
0: Yeah. And just, you and know. that's just about enough. The way that it was done the fact that they had the kids there was great.
1: Yeah, for a change, right?
0: It was it was nice to see Max and Lily again. It was it was funny you know, they were they were funny as well. They're good kids, they're good little actors.
1: Yeah, Lily was funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they've both grown significantly over the year.
1: I don't think you can actually see Max's head when he stands up and shot now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just shoulders down.
0: So it's funny he looms over David now.
1: Right. Well, so does Lily. <laughs> uh, your moment of the week.
0: Well, obviously it's it's gotta be the recreation of David and Shona's wedding in the factory with yeah. the fairy lights. Yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be it. I mean there were other there was other good and interesting things, but this is just it was so it was so perfect. It was written perfectly, it was shot perfectly, yep. it was acted perfectly.
1: Some of the shots were, I'm going to use the word, sumptuous.
0: Yes. It was very artistically done. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is Matt Hilton all over.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to be filming something that's occurring in the dark with fairy lights and 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 catch all of the nuance and emotion of all four characters in that mm-hmm. room. All four of them. Yep.
1: That's our moment
0: of the of week. Moment of the week. Your
1: boring moment of the week. Do you know, I'm off the opinion that it's Christmas, we finished on such a, a a lovely high. Yeah. I'm willing to forego boring moment of the week this no.
0: week. No. <laughs> no.
1: Well, pick something then.
0: Todd complaining about Michael's music.
1: <laughs> determined to piss on this.
0: <laughs> no, that would be my racist moment of the week. Um <laughs> Isn't he racist. Says you, the white guy. <laughs>
1: if he was complaining about about any, anything other than its volume, I would maybe entertain uh, it.
0: Anyway. Um, yeah, because that really didn't it didn't really serve a purpose. That
1: was filler. But it's kind of filler because he said I'm busy working because nobody wants to see somebody working at a knicker factory as entertainment. Mm. Fair enough. I don't care. I don't care enough to argue about it any longer. That's our boring
0: moment of the week. Boring moment of the week.
1: Shall we wrap this one up for 2020? This will be our last episode of this year. We'll be back in 2021.
0: Yes. Where our hindsight will be 2020 (laughs) <laughs> oh,
1: oh, how you laughed? <laughs> <laughs>
0: nah.
1: If you've ever walked down an impromptu aisle in a knicker factory to the baked potato song, drop us a line and let us know how long that marriage lasted. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail and on PayPal if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. Please We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links of which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page off the talk of thetalkofthestreet.podbean.com. We've
0: got that uh bistro shirt now.
1: Yeah. It looks like a heavy metal t-shirt. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and another year. We will be back next week with more...
0: Talk of the street. Talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio. Merry Christmas.